The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. You know, on the balance sheet of FTX is a line called Trump Lose. And Sam was the second biggest donor to Democratic candidates. I'm going to leave it to everybody else to draw their own conclusions about what you're saying here. Right? Those are, those are really, really ugly facts when you see a fraud of this magnitude having played out and you find no regulators were there to prevent it. It's pretty amazing that uh, the reporter's not even going to touch it. You know, he's talking there about the collapse of FTX. This uh, Sam, uh, what's his name, Bankman Freed, I think it is. We'll get into it more as we proceed here in the first segment. But that's that's a, a top uh, Republican donor. He's a rhino. He's not a he's not a, a, a Trump supporter by any means. But he's acknowledging the ugly facts that this guy taking all this money. This cryptocurrency company that just collapses, it, the scandal's only just beginning. The tip of the iceberg is being revealed. We'll try to dig a little bit deeper into this subject as we proceed with today's show. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining our growing audience. You can get to the live video stream of this show through our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and you can watch the stream, or you can uh, watch these uh, programs that are posted after the fact as well. I think it was Darren Beatty yesterday. He's over at Revolver News. Uh, there was an item there, by the way, on his website today, talking about how all of the, the so-called conspiracy theorists, with, with a number of different stories, they're proving to be right. Anyway, he was saying in an interview yesterday that uh, this scandal is only going to get much worse. And we're talking about billions of dollars that, uh, that disappeared. And, and we're talking about uh, Democrats that are all on the take. We're talking about influencing the midterm elections. And as, as that Republican donor pointed out, one of the statements on the, the balance sheet was that Trump lose. So this, this was a billionaire and you've probably heard some of the basic facts of this story. The second biggest donor to Democrats behind George Soros influencing the midterm elections. Leave aside all the other stories about fraud and stealing, which we've gotten into on this show over the past week. But what about the dark money? And by the way, Donald Trump, when announcing his candidacy just the other night, he talked about all of the forces that he's going to have to go up against, including dark money. There he was, just Tuesday night at Mar-a-Lago, spot on, as, we, as we've come to expect. Remember, he ran his, his campaign back in 2016 without, the, without help from his campaign donations just come from ordinary American citizens just contributing $20, $30, And meanwhile, you have all of these establishment types you have all of the, and it's not just Democrats, it's rhino Republicans as well. They're all on the take, and they're taking in millions from people like this guy, 
who headed up FTX, Richard Palmer, uh, had an important trumpet brief just uh, just last night. It's featured uh, at the top of the, the Trumpet website right now. FTX, are America's Democrats behind the scam of the century? I mean, this, this is potentially the biggest financial scam in the history of America. As I say, make sure that you read uh, Richard's uh, trumpet brief from last night or go to the, the homepage of the website uh, today so that you can be brought right up to speed on this subject. As it happens, as it happens, we have... We have Richard Palmer online from our Edstone studio, who's going to help us wrap our minds around this complicated uh, subject. Richard, how are you? Yes, doing great, thanks. Great to be here. It's nice to see you in the Edstone studio. Maybe what we could do is just start with some of the basics and explain to us you know, the crypto exchange a little bit and how FTX was supposed to work. Sure. Yeah. So FTX, like you said, it was it was a, a crypto exchange. So this was for someone. If you want to go and you want to buy Bitcoin, or you know, these days there are hundreds, probably thousands of different cryptocurrencies or electronic money like Bitcoin. So if you want to be able to trade all of these currencies very easily, something like FTX can help. You can put a hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, however much you want, into your account there. And then use it to go and buy Bitcoin today, sell it tomorrow, buy some other currency. And what's important for this story is that a, a an exchange like this is different from a bank. You're in a bank, you put money in your bank account, you know that the bank is going to take it, it's going to loan it out, it's going to pay you interest. Uh, an exchange does not do that. You put your money in that account and it doesn't make money off loaning your money out. It makes money off those transaction fees. When you buy Bitcoin, it takes a percentage. When you sell it, it takes a percentage. Uh, and so in theory, you should not ever be able to have a run on an exchange. If everybody who's ever put money into this exchange goes to that exchange all at once and says, I want my money back, they should be able to say, sure, here you go. Because they're not loaning that, that money out. They're just keeping it for you as a, as a convenience. And so how, how do you explain then the fact that the, the money that went missing? So basically, SBF was helping himself to the money that was being deposited into the crypto exchange. Is that, is that right? Yes, that's right. So when pe this rumor went out that, OK, something, something's gone wrong here, they don't have the money, people started asking for that money. And very quickly, it was apparent that rumor was true. He did not have the money, which should not happen for an exchange if they're doing, if they're doing what they say. And then as people got into the details, uh, it was it was worse than that. It would be a bit like if you gave me a hundred bucks and said, hey, can you hang on to this for me for whatever reason? And then you came to me a few days later and said, hey, can I have my hundred bucks back? And I said, well, sorry, I don't have it. But what I do have is a hundred Palmer coins. <laughs> it's a currency that I just made up, but I'm telling you this is worth the same thing as a hundred dollars. Uh, you know, you would say, well, absolutely not. That's ridiculous. How can something you just made up be worth $100? And what did you do with my $100? Where did it go? That's exactly where we are with, with FTX, where they swapped all of this money for basically something imaginary that they just made up and is only worth money because they say it is. Okay, let's, Sam, why don't you play that clip of, this is a little bit uh, of uh, the background of this Sam um, Bankman Freed from, uh, I'm not sure what the video is from, but you can get a little bit of a feel for the guy that headed this operation up, clip four. 
mistake. The guy you see next to me is the most generous billionaire in the world, and I found him. Hi, my name is Sam, and this is my story. Sam has crazy hair. Sam is vegan. Sam sleeps five hours a night. Sam lives in the Bahamas with 10 roommates. Sam is 29 years old only, but Sam has 22 billion dollars. And he wants to donate all of it to charity. So what could you tell us about uh, you hear all these stories about the living arrangements uh, with this guy in the Bahamas, his girlfriend. Uh, we've got a clip of her. We can play a little bit later as well. But uh, is there anything additional that you can tell us about uh, SBF, as they call him, and his family? Yes. Well, he um, his family is is pretty interesting. Like you saw there, he's been absolutely lionized in the media. It is amazing some of the things that they've said about him. Um, you know, there was he was on the cover of one magazine and, and they said, you know, something like why this guy has a savior complex and you should, too. He's been the next Warren Buffett, the next, um, you know, anyone in finance, he's been kind of hailed as, as the next one. The left wing media love him. Uh, but then his whole. So he's been putting out this, well, um, you know, earn to give. That's kind of his his motto that you heard in that video talks about go out and earn money so that you can donate to charity. But you look at his whole family background and raising money for Democrats is basically the family business. So his mother runs a super PAC that Vox called like a shadowy group, funneling money from Silicon Valley to the Democrats. His brother was a consultant on how to, for wealthy donors to give to the Democrats. Uh, so this is, that, that's his whole family background. And he went to, his, his dad I think is an economics professor at Stanford. His girlfriend's dad is head of economics at MIT. So he's kind of got this background very strongly, both in fundraising, but also in all of the, the top kind of regulators and economic thinkers uh, in the United States. Here's a little bit uh, from, uh, I think Tucker had this say. We played some clips earlier in the week from Jesse Waters' program. Uh, Tucker last night was discussing this scandal as well. Clip one. Now, what was FTX? It wasn't a conventional business. No, in fact, it was the finance arm of the Democratic Party. And the back scratching, the snake eating its tail, is on full display in this story. So Democrats invited FTX's CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, to the White House to discuss, discuss crypto regulation. So the people who were supposed to be keeping this business within the lines were actually colluding with the business and doing nothing to keep it from defrauding its investors. And then in Congress, which is also supposed to be overseeing the finance sector, Maxine Waters, who chairs the Financial Services Committee, was palling around with Sam Bankman-Fried. She took the picture with him you're seeing on your screen now. That picture was taken after the first ever hearing on crypto regulations. So that's a pretty good deal. You're running a scam and the regulators are on your side. How do you keep them on your side? Well, if you're Sam Bankman-Fried, you donate nearly $40 billion to Democrats in the midterm, which he did. And that total puts him number two on the donor list, right below George Soros. Now, that's so obviously illegal and wrong and corrupt that you'd probably want to make sure nobody wrote about it. And that's why Sam Bankman-Fried also bought off the media. He handed millions to places like Vox, The Intercept, Semifor, ProPublica, and probably many others. Yeah, there, there was a story just today that the New York Times was sponsoring a a roundtable with SBF 
And uh, who, who are the other guys that were invited to this? Uh, Janet Yellen was on there. Uh, Zelensky from Ukraine. And, and all of, it's like $2,500 to get into this, this conference. And I think the New York Times is trying to quietly downplay the fact. They, like Tucker brings out, he not only was paying off politicians, the regulators, to carry on with this scam, but also the media. I mean, they're all in. We talked yesterday about the uniparty and how everyone is aligned against Donald Trump. No one else, no other politician is out there talking about the forces aligned against him like Donald Trump. Maybe you can uh, add to, if you want to, anything that Tucker brought out there and just all of the shady connections that this guy has had just in the last few years. And, and can you tell us something about his start, too? Because it only goes back to like like uh, 2019, does it not? Right, he's pretty recent. I think it, he kind of exploded onto the scene in terms of donations, uh, donating to Joe Biden's first campaign, where he became the second biggest donor to Joe Biden behind Michael Bloomberg uh, back in 2020. And I think he, he gave him five million, but that was the first time he'd really donated himself um, to anybody. I think what really stands out to me is you, you look at everything that he was doing and what I outlined before, you know, taking money um, from his customers' accounts, sending it who knows where and replacing it with worthless tokens. That's probably the most egregious thing. It's not the only thing. You know, there was insider trading where he had his own trading company and he was using this to, uh, to kind of when FTX was going to do something that was going to make the price of some kind of electronic coin shoot up, well, then his, his other trading company would get involved by that shortly before that happened. So you know that's insider trading, that's illegal. When he was explaining something else as to how he made money through something called yield farming, the definition that he gave was pretty much the textbook definition for a Ponzi scheme. Uh, so much so you could kind of see the interviewers were a little bit flabbergasted that he would put it in exactly those terms you know you're not meant to make it that obvious uh and you just think well how how on earth did he think he could get away with it but he was absolutely confident he could get away with it because of everything everything they just went through on that clip that and i think just also he knows if you're on the right side you're not going to get any scrutiny you know, he he absolutely believed he could do all of this because he's a democratic supporter and sure, some people have tried to muddy the water and said, well, he did give money to Republicans, which you know, he gave 40 million to, to Democrats and he gave about 100,000 to a couple of Republicans, one of which was in charge of the Senate Agricultural Committee, which for some reason runs cryptocurrency. So you know, he's buying off kind of rhino Republicans. There was someone else that worked for him that did give millions to Republicans. But again, it, it was rhino Republicans. Uh, you know, he knows that if you're on the right side, no one's gonna come after you. And sure enough, you know, all of this comes out, all of these things that are that are just incredibly shady. And then the New York Times has this article that basically makes it sound like he did nothing really wrong and that he, uh, you know, he made a few bad investments that went bad, not that he was thoroughly corrupt. The media is still covering for him, despite everything that we know. So, you know, he was portrayed as some kind of boy genius. If there was one genius thing that he figured out, it was that if you support the Democrats, you can get a, you can you can get away with whatever scam you want. And you know, maybe this will be so big that people will have to step in uh, and do something about it. But he certainly thought he could get away with murder. He, uh, Tucker in that clip mentioned that he paid off the regulators and how that it's Maxine Waters who heads up the, the regulation committee. I think this uh, second clip from uh, Tucker, there's a, a reporter that confronts Maxine Waters. Notice this from uh, Tucker last night, clip two. 
Well, Maxine Waters was a beneficiary of this, and she was asked today whether she's returning any of these donations. Fox's Hillary Vaughn just caught up with Waters, and she made it very clear, of course, she's keeping the money. Do you think some lawmakers that got donations from FTX's founder should give that money back? Oh, well, I don't want to get into that. As a matter of fact, both sides, Democrats and Republicans, have received donations. So, thank you. Yeah, yeah, everyone did it. No, actually, everyone didn't do it. This was the finance arm of the Democratic Party. The finance arm of the Democrat Party. And notice that reporter that asked Maxine Water, are you going to return some of this dirty money? And she said, well, both sides have taken it. She didn't, even, she didn't even consider the question or answer it, for that matter. She just brushed it aside, like, like Richard was pointing out. They, he knew, SBF knew, as long as you're corrupt and you're a Democrat, you're going to get away with it. Fox Business had uh, a, a segment yesterday as well, talking about all the groups that were on the take here. This is clip three. Let's show the viewer uh, who got money for, uh, from FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried. You're going to see the Future Forward PAC. Uh, you're going to see uh, Chuck Schumer, the House Majority PAC, uh, DCC, Congressional Campaign Committee for the Democrats, Senatorial Campaign, uh, $27 million to protect our future PAC, millions of dollars to Democrats and at least a dozen states, Congressman. So time and again, I mean, this is, uh, this is a story that's been out there for generations. I mean, you, you say you want to hold people accountable, but then this blows up. Well, it's because people haven't been held accountable. We haven't had the proper oversight in the Financial Services Committee that we need. One of the questions we should all have is, why is this company in the Bahamas in the first place and not in the United States? What, uh, maybe Richard, Richard, you could elaborate on this. So what, you, you have this scandal, the media still, they're still trying to cover for SBF. What about the government? You know, what about the DOJ or the FBI and, and SBF? Where is he at the moment? And is he going to be arrested or is anything going to happen uh, because of this, uh, this scandal that just gets worse with each passing day? Yeah, maybe. At the moment, nothing much has happened. The Bahamas authorities said that they interviewed him You're under questioning, under caution, or sorry, not even that, that they just interviewed him. So they, they, the, they've talked to him, they didn't arrest him. And then I think last night or yesterday, it came out that the FBI, again, they, 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 they said they talked, they discussed, the way they worded it was weird. They said they, something like they discussed with the Bahamas, the possibility of him taking a trip to America. So they didn't say they're going to extradite him, but they, you know, just, we want to talk to him. Uh, so no consequence, which to me, you know, the, the focus at the moment is it on this, 50 million that was or 40 million or so that was donated in the last election cycle, which you know, if, if you look at what George Soros donated, a lot of what he donated isn't actually going to be spent until 2024. He was kind of putting it into the super PAC now. So in, by some measures, he was the largest donor for the midterms, this FBF guy. Um, so there's the 50 million that we know about. There is also billions of customers money that has gone missing. And so, well, where did that go? That's not even part of that 50 million. And then like you on the clip you played at the start, there's this kind of mysterious item on the balance sheet where 7 million, the company spent 7 million on Trump lose. That's all that's noted there. You know, what was that? Why should any bank be spending anything on anything that's called Trump lose? So did some of this customer's money go to some dark corner of the Democratic campaign? There is so much to be investigated. I mean, the evidence isn't there, uh, but you somebody has to look. Um, but there's no evidence really that the, that 
that the American authorities are any at all urgent about trying to find out where has all those billions gone. Right. And, and the real shame of it here, because the media are right in lockstep with the Democrats, the shame of it is it's going to take someone like Darren Beatty at Revolver, which the media just brushes aside as a conspiracy theorist website. Uh, it'll take Darren Beatty or someone like him to get to the bottom of this, as he said yesterday. I mean, what we're seeing so far is just the, the tip of the iceberg. And, and like Tucker and like Jesse Waters are pointing out, where are the U.S. authorities, you know, the ones that are so busy pursuing Donald Trump for everything? And, and by the way, the New York Times coming out with a story just today saying that, well, you know, those Mar-a-Lago document, they're already, see, they know the Republicans are in charge now of the House or will be in January. And so already Chris Ray's out there saying, well, yeah, we did have the informants in there and I, I can't get into it too much. And then the New York Times coming out today saying, yeah, the Mar-a-Lago documents, they do, they do reveal that Donald Trump has a big ego. Oh, oh is that it? What about the nuclear codes or whatever else it was that he was keeping for himself? He was going to start World War III. Here, World War III nearly started this week. Thanks to Joe Biden, the Democrats, Ukraine, and the mess that's over there. The missiles that were fired into Poland. Initially, Zelensky saying it was from Russia. And now, actually, since we have Richard on the line, Richard, have you been following that story uh, as it's unfolded this week uh, as well. I meant to comment, comment on it yesterday, uh, but uh, just didn't have time following all the, the announcements and such from uh, Donald Trump on Tuesday night. But what's, what's the latest on the, the missiles that landed in Poland and I think killed a couple of uh, farmers? Yeah, and I think Zelensky's still claiming that it was Russian, even while the U.S. authorities are saying, you know, they were... Um, Ukrainian missiles. I don't think it would even make any sense at this point in time for them to be Russian. They've identified them. They said they're from a S-300 air defense system. So these were uh, missiles that both Ukraine and, and Russia has, but they're designed to shoot down incoming missiles or incoming planes. So what it seems like happened is you had on that same day, you know, Russia had this big barrage of missiles heading at Ukraine. They were trying to destroy a lot of Ukrainian infrastructure. Ukraine is trying to shoot these missiles down and you know they shoot, they miss, the missile lands in Poland and, and kills two people. That I think is what it looks like happening. There is still, like I think I saw Macron is still saying it's Russia as well. Um, so there's some murkiness, I guess, around whether it's people trying to still stick to an outdated narrative. Uh, it does seem pretty clear though at this point that it was, you know, there would be no reason for Russia to be shooting air defense missiles at Ukraine. Right. That, that, that wouldn't make sense. So, so Ukraine seems like the logical, the only logical possibility. Yeah. Okay, then just to, to, to close the loop on the, this uh, SBF uh, FTX uh, story, I, I, one thing I really like about the way you conclude your trumpet brief from last night, we obviously we've gone to Amos 7 or at least referred to it a lot, that prophecy about Jeroboam and Amaziah and, and of course Amos the prophet. Uh, but you bring in quite a few other verses. I don't want to put you on the spot. You don't have to, to bring them all up from memory, but uh, quite a few other verses from the prophet Amos's book, just about the, the corruption in, in, in finance and, and economic dealings. Uh, maybe you could just summarize some of those concluding points that you made in your trumpet brief from last night. Yeah, I thought this was fascinating that if you were to think about, like, pick one book that has really underscored you know, our understanding of uh, 
modern American politics. And probably that book would be Amos and you know, some specific prophecies in Amos that have been guiding our understanding of what is happening uh, in America at the moment. And one core theme of that whole book is corruption. And he comes again and again and talks about, uh, you know, and, and, and talks about the corruption that's going on in, in, in modern Israel. You know, there are passages in there where he talks about all of these palatial homes that the rich and the wealthy have. And you see these pictures of SBF's mansion in uh, the Bahamas. You know, it talks about, well, they've got their summer houses and their winter houses. And you know, that's, exact, that's exactly what he's got. He boasted about driving only a Toyota Corolla, but he's put his house on the market for $40 million. Uh, You've got all of these scriptures that talk about corrupt dealings and people that falsify the balances and the weights. You know, they put fake weights on. So you think you're buying, I don't know, two pounds of corn but actually you're only getting one and a half. And you, well, you just insert the word sheets into there and he's falsifying balance sheets. Uh, it's just the modern equivalent of that. And I was just thinking more about, you know, is there a reason why you have the book of Amos that talks about what's going on in modern politics and talks about this corruption? And really, you know, once you start to jettison the law, once you get into lawlessness, once you get into, um, well, all that we care about is whose side you're on and we'll bend the law to fit it, well, that corruption is just the inevitable result of that, that, OK, yeah, people are going to be lawless and cheat to win an election. People are going to be lawless and cheat to gain money, too. And you know, that's kind of the minimum that happened with FBF and, and FDX. And then, as we've talked about today, well, it does seem there was a lot more in that, too, and that you know, they were cheating in order to get into some of these corrupt things around the election. And maybe even some of his money played a role. You need, if you're going to steal an election, you've got to fund that. And you've got to have off the book funds for that. And so you have somebody who's all his family background and his parents have a history in finance and raising money for the Democratic Party. And he jumps into this very murky world of offshore cryptocurrencies. And it's all very opaque and secretive. Was that some kind of was was it all along some kind of attempt to funnel money to, to the Democratic Party? Uh, you know, it certainly seems that way. But we've been saying for years, and we've talked about on this show, expect a lot of corruption to 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 be revealed and there's got to be some financial corruption that is funding all of this political corruption are we starting to see that that happen that's right and uh, as you say the off the book finances um, we what we know of 40 million or so but when 2 billion or whatever goes missing there's a lot of other money flowing into where well hopefully We'll soon find out. Richard's trumpet brief, once again, it's posted at the website at the moment. FTX are America's Democrats behind the scam of the century. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. The Trumpet Daily. What has happened to the United States of America? The wealthiest, most powerful nation in human history is suddenly divided, weakened, radical. The evil in America has grown powerful. The good has grown weak. The honorable parts of American history are succumbing to a direct, targeted, sustained assault. Someone, something is dismantling America's history, purpose, and character. Fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Political dysfunction, social strife, economic peril, catastrophic moral failure, fires, attacks, riots, lies. The nation is being attacked from within, 
by its own leaders. Powerful elites in government, journalism, academia, and beyond are intentionally, rapidly destroying what America is in order to make it into something else. There is a reason why your nation is crumbling before your eyes. There is a spirit and a specific perpetrator that is attempting to blot out America. Only America Under Attack reveals that perpetrator and the motive and spirit behind him. This newly expanded book shows you the reason why America has changed so dramatically, so suddenly. If you're confused and concerned about what is happening to America, request your free copy of America Under Attack by Gerald Flurry at thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. We will be resisted by the combined forces of the establishment, the media, the special interests, the globalists, the Marxist radicals, the woke corporations, the weaponized power of the federal government, the colossal political machines, the tidal wave of dark money, and the most dangerous domestic censorship system ever created by man or woman the most dangerous system we've ever had. We will be attacked. We will be slandered. We will be persecuted just as I have been. I mean, I have been, but many people in this room have been. But we will not be intimidated. We will persevere. We will stand tall in the storm. We will march forward into the torrent. And we, in the end, will win. Our country will win. We will win. That's, uh, of course, Donald Trump from Tuesday night when he announced that he's uh, running again for president. And he mentions there all these evil forces aligned against him. We're going to have to go against the tidal wave. What did he put? The tidal wave of dark money. Who? What politician talks about the tidal wave of dark money, as Richard and I were just discussing? What about all the dark money? What about all the money that's off the books? They've got to, if you're going to cheat, if you're going to steal an election in a country of 330 million people, you're going to need funding. And all of those races, think about all of those races where Republicans were outspent, thanks in part to Mitch McConnell and rhino Republicans like him. They were outspent, in some cases, 10 to 1. I think uh, Sam's theory is that they, they planned to steal even the House. Think about how long it took for them to finally declare the Republicans winners. It took, what, nine days? I think it was just last night, this morning? We had heard the projection was 218 at Politico, at the New York Times, at even Fox News. It was 217 for like three days. And then remember Joe Biden's comments before the election. I think we're going to do pretty good. I think we're going to win. And all the polls said you're going to lose in a landslide. But why would he say something such as that? The fix was in, but the tidal wave, the red wave was so huge, they couldn't quite pull it off with respect to the House. They barely pulled it off with the Senate. Unless some things change, which they could, certainly in Arizona. You listen to the hearing they had yesterday in Maricopa County, and all of these Arizonans, angry, 
about what happened on Election Day. Just furious over all the fraud. Couldn't quite pull off the steel with respect to the House. This is from the Daily Signal. It says, with Republicans in control of the House of Representatives, a loose network of groups allied with Democrats is planning a multi-million dollar counteroffensive against an, an expected onslaught of oversight investigations into President Biden, his family, and his administration. So here again, a multi-million dollar counteroffensive. Here, here come the big Democrat donors. Here comes more of the, the dark, dirty money. A tidal wave of it. Because they've got to try to cover their tracks. They know they're going to be investigated. And to defend themselves, they're going to need a lot of money. They're going to need a lot of SBFs and George Soros's. It says here, the efforts appear intended to take pressure off the administration by pushing back in a more adversarial manner than Biden's team on sensitive subjects, including the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, the administration's COVID response, and perhaps most notably, the foreign business dealings of Mr. Biden's son, Hunter Biden. Speaking of dark money, the foreign business dealings of the president of the United States, the fake one at that, his son, his son. Has he been subpoenaed yet? Why hasn't SBF been arrested yet? Where's the billions of dollars? What about the people that sent their money to that crypto exchange? They, they take the hit, and then this guy's still living in a mansion in the Bahamas or Barbados or wherever he is? It says here another group, the Congressional Integrity Project, announced Wednesday that it intended to launch a multi-million dollar war room to undermine investigations from the Republican-led House. Well, there's the word war again. We've talked about that from 2 Kings 14. Here, the, the, Democrat, the Democrats know this is war. And they're going to need multi-million dollar contributions to fight against those dirty Republicans. Some would say they're panicking a bit. They've been in control. We've, we've had a one-party rule for these past several years, or at least the last two years, now they're a little bit concerned. Now they're a little bit worried. Couldn't quite stop the red wave as it rolled through the House of Representatives. We played this clip for you yesterday on the show from, well, we played that one from Donald Trump that you just heard there as well. But listen to this one. Again, this is Donald Trump talking about the pause in his presidency. This is clip 11. And one of the beautiful things of the pause, if there is such a thing as a beautiful thing, but one of the, the important factors of the pause is that we see how bad they've done. So we will be able to do it properly, and it will be much easier. Everybody will agree with us, because everybody sees what a bad job has been done during this two-year period, and it will be a four-year period. Everybody sees that it will be much easier for us to do what has to be done. Talks about the pause in his presidency and how that uh, one of the one of the things that we've seen because of the pause is the corruption. Like Richard says, it's described all through the book of Amos and we're seeing it now. And American, a majority of Americans did not go to the polls last week and vote for more of it. They didn't go and vote for more bitter affliction. Several of those races were rigged. 
Sure enough, just like in, in, the, in the 2020 election. But coming back to what he says about the pause, he uses that word twice, the pause. Uh, the pause says here, name it. This is in the America Under Attack book, by the way, 1-866-930-3024. Call and request your, you wonder, based upon statements like that from the president on Tuesday night, you wonder if he or his handlers have read this, this book. Here's what it says. In Amos 7 and verse 8, God says he's giving the nation its final warning. Then verse 9 describes about a time of desolation, wasting, and the sword. God forewarns that he himself will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. That is a major intensifying of the picture in verse 8. I believe, this is my father writing, I believe there is in fact a pause in the events between verses 8 and 9 and that we are in this prophesied pause now after the election coup that stole the presidency from Mr. Trump, but before he returns to power. There's my father using the word pause. Twice, by the way. It says, finally, look around today. This country is in a catastrophe. Radicals are destroying the nation, foolishly thinking that somehow they will be able to control these ruinous, uh, anarchic forces they are unleashing. And this trouble is certain to lead to worse trouble. How did the president put it? The pause, he says, one of the beautiful things of the pause is if there is such a thing as a beautiful thing. But one of the important factors of the pause is that we see how bad they've done. So we will be able to do it properly and it will be much easier. Everybody will agree with us because everybody sees what a bad job has been done. Pretty amazing. <laughs> Not word for word, but very similar, very similar to what you'll read in America under attack. As I say, call our operators today to request your free copy. That's 1-866-930-3024. When we come back, we'll conclude with our Bible study segment. You're listening to Stephen Flurry. This is The Trumpet Daily. We'll be right back. This is KPCG-FM, and this is the Trumpet Daily. The developed nations have made awesome progress. They have produced a highly mechanized world, providing every luxury, modern convenience, and means of pleasure. Yet they are cursed with crime violence, injustice, sickness and disease, broken homes and families. At the same time, more than one half the world is living in illiteracy, abject poverty, filth and squalor. Violence and destruction are rapidly multiplying. Many ask, why, if God exists, does he allow so much violence and human suffering? To understand the reason behind this astonishing paradox, request a complimentary copy of Mystery of the Ages. We were born into this 20th century world as it is. We take it for granted, but we can't explain it. It's like viewing a movie at a point already near the end. We see what is occurring at that point, but not having seen it from the beginning and not knowing how events developed to the point of viewing, we simply cannot understand what we are seeing. Mystery of the Ages transports you back 
to the beginning of the movie, to the foundation of this present evil world. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. In uh, Acts 13 and verse 22, God calls King David a man after my own heart. A man after God's own heart, the rest of the verse says, which shall fulfill all my will. Notice the emphasis there. God's heart after, I'll get into that in just a second, but all of God's will. David really did try very hard to fulfill all of God's will. He didn't say, well, I'll just go halfway or 99% of the way. I'll keep eight or nine of the commandments. He went all the way. He made his mistakes along the way, of course, but he repented deeply each time to where his heart in the end was just like God's. A man after God's heart, the Greek word for after, in that verse I mentioned, Acts 13, 22, it has to do with being just totally saturated in God's way of life and thinking. The word can, t- can mean covered or overwhelmed. That's the way David's heart, it was just overwhelmed with godliness, with righteousness, with holiness. As I say, he was all in on God's way of life. He knew, David knew, that his relationship with God was everything. He knew his relationship with God was the most important task in his day-by-day living. He put God first, and that's what made him such a righteous leader. That's what made him such an outstanding king. Notice 1 Samuel 13. We'll just look at uh, uh, King Saul here for a moment. And we'll see what the Bible says about him, about his heart. This is 1 Samuel 13 and verse 13. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now would, uh, would the Eternal have established your kingdom upon Israel forever. The prophet Samuel, we're picking it up here toward the end of his, his reign. He started off on a, a really good note. He was a righteous king initially, but after a year or two, his heart started to veer away from God, to veer off course. And verse 14 here says, But now your kingdom shall not continue. The eternal, the eternal hath, has sought him a man after his own heart. That's what God's looking for. For, for disciples, for students, for, for members, co-workers, donors, coming along into the church of God. He's looking for people who have a heart like his. That's what he was looking for in Saul, and he didn't find it. Or if Saul had it early on, he lost it. David had it. God looked at the overall picture or course of David's life and said, that's what I need to fulfill my will. That's what God wants to do through us, to fulfill his will through us. And for that to happen, we've got to have a heart like God's. And we've got to strive to fulfill all of his will. Just like that verse in Acts 13 says. Notice 1 Samuel 16 now, a few chapters forward. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. It says, But the Eternal said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance. This is when Samuel went to anoint um, the king of Israel. 
the one who would replace Saul. Saul would have everything ripped away from him, everything God gave him, because his heart wasn't right. God told Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, and Saul was a pretty impressive man, because I have refused him, for the eternal sees not, not as a man sees, for man looks on the outward appearance, but the eternal looks on the heart. See, God knows, God sees what's going on on the inside. He sees, going back to the first segment there, we, the, the discussion we had with Richard, he sees all of this corruption. God has an opinion. God knows. There may be a little bit of a pause in the reign of Jeroboam, but he sees what's happening, and more and more people see it now too. We're seeing the results of this communist insurrection, this takeover of the United States government. And it's not going to last. God exposes this evil. And when he does, to put it back to applying to us, when he does, we've got to go to God in repentance and faith and really trust God and, and look to him, look to his power. We need power to clean up our lives and to overcome. Verse 12 in this same passage, it says, And he sent and he brought him in. This is David. David was out in the field. You know the story. We won't read all of the verses. But they went through. The father was sure. Jesse was sure. It would be one of his older sons that had a more impressive outward appearance. And David, David came from out in the field. He was just tending to the sheep. He was the nobody. Verse 12, And they sent and they brought David in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Eternal said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. What made David so different from his brothers? Well, he was a man after God's heart. And that's why God selected him. And God will select us or work with us or work through us if we develop the same kind of heart. How do you do that? Well, it always gets back to God's law, the truth of God, and living according to these words, living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. David understood God's truth. He studied the truth of God. He meditated on God's word. He meditated on God's law. He did a lot of other things too. He developed his talents. That's brought out in 1 Samuel here. Look at verse 17. It says, And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. And then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing and a mighty and valiant man and a man of war and prudent in matters and a comely person. And the eternal is with him. It's talking about David there. That's a little bio on King David before he became king. He was anointed. But he had to wait something like 17 years before he actually became the king. And this is, this is what he was doing as a young man. What a, what a heart. Look at the ambition that he had to serve God. 
Verse 19, it says, Wherefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, which is with the sheep. He was still, <laughs> he was anointed as the future king of Israel, and then he went right back into the pasture. He, he went right back out into the fields to spend time with the sheep and no doubt meditate on God's way of life and work on his talents and abilities so that he could serve God with his whole heart so that he could fulfill all of God's will. Verse 21, And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. This was the beginning of a, a really a beautiful relationship. It obviously went bad later, but even then, the respect that David had for the sitting king, the respect that he had for that king whose heart was uh, beginning to go bad. You see here, though, a willingness to just love and to serve. He played his harp. He soothed and comforted King Saul. What a contrast when you just look at these two kings. Saul had made his mistakes. He didn't have a heart like God's. But here's a young David who used his talents, his personality, to lift up those around him, to play inspiring music, to look after sheep, to protect the sheep, to fight against giants, to take on Goliath. What a remarkable young man this was. And God says he had a heart like mine. That's the kind of heart that we need to be developing with God's help. Look over at uh, 1 Chronicles 22. 1 Chronicles 22, this, this chapter records the, the tremendous preparations that David put into building uh, God's house. This is chapter 22 and verse 3. It says, And David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the, the doors of the gates, and for the joinings, the brass in abundance without weight, and cedar trees in abundance for the Zidonians, and they of Tyre brought much cedar wood to David. I mean, it just goes on and on about this exceeding, exceeding magnificent structure that they were going to build. Actually, Solomon was going, his son was going to build it. But look at the way David just poured his heart into this project. He desperately wanted to build it himself. God said, no, I'm going to reserve that for Solomon. And Solomon did a fine job, by the way. But it was thanks in large part to his father, David, who gave him, helped to give him this vision of this exceeding magnificent structure, as the scriptures calls it. Notice 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 3, it says, Moreover, this is David speaking, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Over and above. He just went above and beyond to contribute to this project, to work on this project, to plan this project. This was a house for God. His heart was all in. He was wholehearted about this project. Verse 7 says, And he and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and of silver 10,000 talents. Further on it says, And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the eternal by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. And then the people rejoiced, for they offered willingly 
because with, with perfect heart they offered willingly to the eternal. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. You see how that this spirit of service and sacrifice spreads? You see how, how much of an impact a righteous king can have on the subjects of that kingdom? Everybody was pouring their hearts into this task. They offered willingly, the Bible says. They loved doing it. They loved serving God. They loved helping with this construction project, a house for God. Verse 10 says, Wherefore David blessed the eternal before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be you, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. It says, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is yours. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of you, and you, you reign over all. And in your hand is power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. It says, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. And then David writes, But who am I? Or this is David praying, actually. Who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of you, and of your own have we given you. See, they were really sacrificing. David was out there saying, You know, everything comes from you. And who am I to be able to contribute to this project? You can read about this history in uh, our free book called The Form of Prophets. It's right here. The Form of Prophets, my father wrote this. There's quite a bit in here about the kingdom of Israel under the, under the reign, the righteous rule of King David. King David who had a heart just like God's. The things of God were important. They were the most important things to David. And God says about him, as we read at the top of this segment, he had a heart like God's, and he strove to fulfill all of God's will. Call our operators for the former prophets, the 800 number, 1-866-930-3024. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.